Picture this. You arrive to work, but instead of an office chair, you're in a metal bucket seat in 120 degree heat. Instead of an office or a cubicle, you're buckled inside a steel frame pushing 200 miles an hour. I'm excited for you to hear about the business side of racing and the success today's guest has had despite only being 19 years old. Welcome to Unusually Successful, where you will meet a series of people who have achieved extraordinary results in life and business. Join your host, Sean Dipple, as he looks to learn what made these people unusually successful. All right, we're here with Colby Howard, Xfinity race car driver and superstar of the number 15 race car. Welcome. Thank you for having me on this afternoon. A lot of people are going to be super excited to hear your story because you're only 19. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, you've got a full ride. You're going to race the full schedule this year. Yes, sir. So that's super exciting. Yeah. To be 19 and and where I'm at in my life right now, I feel like it's on track to be, you know, something, something that could be really good. Just hopefully we can keep it going and, and stay in racing. Have you always drove uh, Chevrolets? Uh, not on purpose. Yeah. Um, we're not, I'm not actually affiliated with Chevy, um, but it seems like every car I've gotten in, whether it be Arca, Trucks, or Xfinity, somehow have a bow tie on it. So it's, it's kind of funny how it falls. I wish I was affiliated with them, but I'm not. <laughs> well, that'll be the next step, right? Yeah. yeah hopefully, hopefully yeah. something will come through. You'll be on Chevrolet commercials before you know it. <laughs> well, that's exciting. So let's talk about where you're at currently. You just got a contract to race the entire season in 2021, correct? Right. And last year you raced 20 races, 22 races? Correct, yeah. So that was exciting. How was last year? It was good. We had a lot of ups, a lot of downs, more downs than ups, but all the races that we ran were going to end up good. We had some really, really strong runs going, especially with what happened last year with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no practice, no qualifying. So I'm going to all these races blind. You know, we go into the race and my first lap is a green flag in a race. So wow, to be able to adapt to the tracks was, was pretty tough. But like I said, we had some really good runs, but a lot of bad luck. We had two blown tires in a race. Uh, we had a fuel pump come out. We had, we lost brakes one race. Uh, just small things like that kept hindering us from finishing good. And all of those races that something happened was when we were running way up in the top 20, top 15 and, and things like that. So it really hurt when that happens, but you can't, you know, you have to have heartbreak going into stuff like this. So having that makes you just push harder and harder to, to be better. Yeah, that's super exciting. You know, bad luck kind of comes and goes in racing, obviously, and that's a, a big deal. It's interesting to me, the different racing packages that uh, the different teams have, right? There's a, there's like three engine packages. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of everything. We have different cars for different tracks we have speedway cars intermediate cars road course cars and short track cars but some teams like jd motorsports who i drive for it's a smaller team so you could kind of mix that up a little bit more like we could run our speedway car at a road course or a short track at a intermediate if we have to there's so many different motor packages you can go with 
the top teams have even more just from the money they have uh, with a smaller team like us we have a little bit less of a budget to spend on our motors but you know there there's so much you can do uh, spindles rear ends gears transmissions there's so many different packages you, you can have based off what your budget is how much does a a car cost ground up i've been asked this quite a few times uh you can spend every bit of five hundred thousand dollars on a car you can spend 20 grand on a car you spend 20 grand on a car, you're going to get what you pay for though. Yeah. You know? So uh, there's, like I said, there's so many different packages that you could go with. It, it really varies on what you're going to spend on the car. Um, you could put in different gauges and save three grand right there. So, I mean, there's, there's so much things you can cut or not cut to make the price go up. How much do you need to spend though, to be competitive? Um, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go out in there and win the race, you're going to need a couple million dollars to, to run the year. A tire bill at the end of the race is about 20 to 30 grand. We have about six sets of tires usually in our class or a series. Uh, all that, all of the teams have engineers, um, mechanics, all kind of things that they just sit there and figure out what they can do to be faster. So you can definitely go out and spend $10 million on an Xfinity Series deal. Wow. And last year when you ran the 22 races, you were racing trucks, right? No, actually, I was with JD Motorsports last year. Oh, you were? Okay. Uh, the year before that was when I made the truck debut in starts. What's the biggest difference between the trucks and the cars? Um, Their motor's a little bit different, not too much. Uh, the main thing is aero with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are way more aero-sensitive than the Xfinity cars. They punch such a big hole um, with their with their spoilers that there's no downforce when you're behind them. So you get extremely tight when you're behind them. Uh, Xfinity cars have little to none downforce. We are out there with racing with barely anything. So um, I think, honestly, the Xfinity cars are the hardest cars to drive in NASCAR. Really? Yeah. Um, the Cup cars, they have so much downforce with the new package they have. They run about wide open almost every track they go to. Mm. About the same with trucks. They have a little bit less downforce than cup cars, but way more than Xfinity. So it really shows, you know, who can wheel these cars, who can, you know, uh, feather the gas pedal in in the Xfinity series. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest difference between where you were last year and what you are doing this year? Is it a different car? Is it a different crew chief? It's a different um, commitment, obviously. Right. Now you're going to go to over 30 races this year versus 20 or so. Yeah, it's a huge commitment to the team and to myself. Um, last year, I ran 22 races, and that was still a good bit of races traveling a lot. So uh, I lost out, or yeah, I lost out on a good bit of things to do as an 18 year old. You know, I'm a teenager. You know, I want to be out. I want to hang out. I want to get to the lake, get a, get a suntan. But I couldn't do it as much last year just because I was gone so much. So this year is going to be completely different. You know, it's a lot more races almost every single weekend. Um, So like I said, I'm 19 now. I still have that teenager in me. I still want to go out, get that suntan. But um, it's it's going to be definitely different. It's just something I have to commit to and and mentally prepare myself for. But um, with the team, you know, we're running full time. I mean, be with these guys 33 weekends of the year so so it really when you're with somebody that long it really becomes family you really get to know them and it makes it a lot easier 
being able to travel with people that you actually you know care to be around. So do they train you on how to handle the media? There's a couple developmental you know teams. That's what they really work with you on. But um, I, I don't have anybody really right now that, that helps me. I used to work with a few people. And it's kind of helped me a little bit. But right now, I don't I don't really have anybody with that. Yeah. We do have a, a PR guy, and he helps me with posting like on my social medias and stuff. He does a really good job at that. Uh, and, and just things like that with the team, he helps out a lot with. Yeah, because when you think about it, you're really – you're your own brand, and you're creating – you know, you're creating your own brand in reality. And as you grow and as you get older and as the more races that you do, people will start to recognize you as opposed to just recognizing the car or the team. Yes. Yeah. You know, like you said, you're, I'm creating my own brand and that's the main thing this year with, with boosting that brand, boosting my name out there, getting more followers, getting in contact with, with new people and just getting my name out there. You know, that's, that's what sponsorship is built off of is your name. Like how well can you, can you sell something? So it's exactly right. You know, I'm having to build that from scratch really. Um, I came from, you know, just nothing to building something that, that can be a lot. So that's going to be a really big thing this year. So speaking of coming from nothing, tell me about where all this began. Um, so my grandpa, he was a four-time champion at Greenville Pickens Speedway. Family business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it runs in the blood. My dad started getting into racing, and he got all the way up to the Bush Series, which is now the Xfinity Series. Sure. Um, and then here I came. <laughs> I uh, It started with just a little Yamaha... 50 cc dirt bike out in the backyard progressed to a honda a little bit faster bigger bike and then we all kind of thought about it we're like let's get some ktms and just go racing so then we were racing traveling um doing hair scrambles which is through the woods and this all started when you were like six right? six yeah yeah, yeah. wow so uh it, it just kept going and racing through that we started winning races started winning championships and moving up on bikes a little bit and all of a sudden, I broke my collarbone one year, or my first year that I was going for a championship. And I had a, a huge lead in the points. Mm. Um, broke my collarbone, obviously was out for for a while. I think it was six months. And then there was one race left, and I was going to be able to race it. And I did nothing but prepare for that race because I had to win it. It was going to come down to one point. We go there, is in is in North Carolina, and... I remember it was a pour down. I mean, it was just awful. Mud piles, mud holes, everything everywhere, just pouring down rain and led every lap and won the race one championship. So, wow. So, um, I got my first championship. I believe it was the very next year I, uh, I broke my leg. Mm. I, I was just out in, out in my backyard and I was out for almost a year then. But once I got back on the bike, I just couldn't get back to, to how I was, how I rode in winning races. So I hung it up before, you know, I did anything else stupid and, and broke more bones and just hurt myself in the future. So, um, my sister actually raced with me. I left that out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She, um, and she already got tired of dirt bikes before I, before I fell out and she got into these cars called Bandoleros, which is basically just a go-kart with a roll cage, maybe a little bit faster. So then I got one. 
uh, raced around a little bit and just got tired of it and moved up. I did a couple of races called mini stocks, which was a four cylinder Mustang. Um, did that for two years and then late models is when I really, really started to commit to racing. Um, my first year in, in limited late models, we won seven races at Greenville. Um, and then the next year, 2017, I moved up to the late model stock, which is, you know, like the main sort of the big class, the faster ones. And we won the 2017 NASCAR rookie of the year for South Carolina, mm. Uh, 2018, we were going to do same thing. We didn't really know. We didn't really have a plan what to do, but we started out with four wins, not even halfway through the season. And we actually cut it short to sign a deal with Anthony Campy racing in a pro late model. So I, I, that year was cut really short. I think I only did like 10 races. Um, so 2019 come, I was in the Anthony Campy pro late model racing with the best of the best late model racers in the country. Um, we went down won my second race, won my third race, won my fourth race. And we ended up winning, I think, four or five races in a track record in Winchester, Indiana. It was a really good year with them. We should have won every race we were in because that car was just so good. But like I said, it came down just bad luck. At the end of 2019, I made some ARCA starts, some truck starts, and JD Motorsports next year. So most of the late model tracks are like short Mm-hmm. ovals yeah just saturday night oval tracks around around here any dirt no i have never done dirt i've never done go-karts on dirt just dirt bikes kind of a different animal <laughs> yeah yeah i'd love to try one but dirt bikes is the most i've got <laughs> yeah it's always kind of interesting to me that like the cup guys will sometimes go back to their hometown and in race in races like at uh you know just a local dirt track Mm -hmm. like tony stewart yeah i think it's cool that they get out it it brings engagement to to the hometown to the short track wherever they're doing so i really think it's cool that they go out there and and do that whether they lap the field or not you know they're bringing people out to to watch them so you're 19 now and i'm hearing a pattern of winning ever since you, you were racing dirt bikes and you won there and racing late models and bandoleros and everything that you've raced you've won yeah it's it's been a a really good year um i've i've been able to have success in the things i've done um until now you know in the xfinity series it's completely different from you know joe gibbs racing the guys who are winning we're a low budget team running on a high budget series so we make do with what we can. We do what we can. We finish where we can. And a top 20 is a win to us. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's kind of crossing the line first is not my winning anymore. Winning is getting that top 20, that top 15 for the team. With the engine packages that you guys are able to afford, is it possible for you to win? Because you're right in the middle, right? You don't have the low-end mm-hmm. package, but you also don't have the $50,000 a race package either. The only way you could win a race if it was a rain delay with our cars. Really? You have a better chance when we go to Speedway, which is Daytona and Talladega. Anybody can win that race. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what car you're in, you can win that race. Uh, it's harder, but it's possible because we all just bump draft. We're just sitting there drafting. Right. Um, but you can lose a draft because they are so fast. But if you get somebody behind you that will push you, you can win that race. 
So whenever anybody goes to Daytona, you know, it's an open race. Anything can happen. Anything. So uh, any any car could win. But like I said, it's still hard. Well, that's exciting. You can get in the car and you're like, man, I can beat Kyle Busch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I try not to think about it whenever we go to those races. I just try to do my thing and stay out of trouble. It's easy to get caught up in there and absolutely yeah. destroy a race car and get hurt. Sure. So, um, so I try just to, you know, do my thing and like I say, go out there and maybe not a top 20 go for, but maybe the top 15, top 10 goals. Have you ever led a race in the Xfinity series? I actually led one lap last year. It was at Atlanta. Uh, we were coming down pit road for the first stage and I had a teammate that accidentally pitted in my spot, my pit stall. So I had to go around while everybody pitted. So I came out first oh, and nice. I led the lap. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was kind of cool. You're like, but, thanks, yeah. buddy. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So how do you deal with getting in a car knowing that you can't win? I mean, because the other sports that you were in, you're like, hey, I'm going to win, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to win a championship. I'm going to win the race. I'm going to win several races. But it sounds to me like you get in this car and you're like, I hope I can finish 20th. Yeah, it's it was it, it was a struggle getting used to that cuz like you said I was used to being in a car that that can win um especially coming from 2019 with Anthony Campy. That was the Joe Gibbs racing of the Xfinity series of NASCAR. You know, that that car should have won every single race it competed in. It was just so good. And then the very next year I went to a car that could maybe get a top 20 mm. so it was definitely a struggle but even before 2019 we were winning races and to go to us to a to a year where i know i'm not going to win a race um it was it was a struggle it was mentally um exhausting physically exhausting but it was just one of those things where if i put this car in the top 20 rick hendrick's going to see that joe gibbs is going to see that everybody's going to see that me putting that car in the top 20 top 15 so it is you got to look at it at a different way yeah when i when i got my start in office equipment i worked in the charlotte area and uh huntersville and the university area of charlotte was my sales territory and so i got to sell to joe gibbs and uh, hendrick and a lot of those teams what was interesting to me is that there's not as much money in racing for the teams as one might think, mm-hmm. especially between seasons. Yeah. Was that, I mean, they were running a skeleton crew between, between the, when's the last race of the season in the cup series? Um, it's a no, Homestead, right? It's actually now Phoenix. It used to be Homestead okay. every year and it's now Phoenix. And I think what you're talking about is, um, so after the championship race is on a Sunday, that Monday is called Black Monday. Mm. They go to the shop and everybody pretty much gets fired. Wow. Yeah. So NASCAR jobs are not stable at all. Not one bit. Because you may work one team one year and after the last race of the year, you might get fired and left out to do, you know, survive. It's weird. I don't know why it happens. I don't know what the deal is with it, but everybody pretty much just gets fired and finds a new team. Mm-hmm. So like you said, they're running on a skeletal crew because Black Monday. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. So between November and February, 
there's no cash flow for the racing teams. Mm -mm. So sounds like that they just kind of let everybody go. And then Mm -hmm. come February, they put together a brand new team and then the season starts. Yeah. With, um, with the higher teams, it's a little less with the lower teams. It's, it's really bad. Um, when I went and ran my truck races, my crew chief was gone the next, the next day after we got back from the race. So, uh, and they told me, I was like, I was just with him. He, he did a great job. Yeah. But it's part of what they sign up for. They know it's happening. They, sure. So it's not, you know, nothing too bad. I mean, it's obviously bad. Somebody loses a job, but it's, you know, part of our uh, racing. Is that the same for you? Do you have a contract that just basically is for the season and you don't know if you're going to have a ride next season? Yeah. Right now I'm on a year by year basis thing. So I have no idea what I'm doing next year. Um, it sucks. I wish I could be in a position where I knew my future and plan it out and know exactly what I was doing. You know, that's not how it is. It's a year by year thing. I may not even be able to get in a car next year. And and that's just something I have to live with and think about and work harder to do. That's uh, creates a little anxiety. Makes you want to get out there and make a name for yourself, win races, you know, maybe getting a fight on TV or something, you know, (laughs) so people will recognize you. It definitely adds to the stress throughout the year. And is it all about winning or is it all about placing and being consistent? It is. It really is. Last year we had a couple great runs and those couple great runs got me a lot of publicity. It got my name out there. Hopefully we can repeat that, do better and do it more. So you have 33 races this year full ride. How many of them are road courses? I believe six of them. And so road racing or road courses is kind of a new thing for you. Brand new. I got my first road course car and track uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. We went down to Homestead, Miami, ran a KTM GT4 uh, on the Homestead road course. So I got my first taste of what turning right is like. Um, everybody always says I can only turn left. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can turn right now. It was fun. It, it wasn't what I expected. It was a lot more fun than what I thought it would be. I think it's not going to be fun at all in a 3,400 pound, 800 horsepower stock car with a four speed in it, but <laughs> it is what it is. And it's just part of it. Might, might like it, might not. <laughs> How many times can you practice on any given track? Cause there's a limitation to that, right? So before COVID, you would get something called a rookie test where you could go to any track you wanted and rent the track basically and be able to test and practice before the race weekend. And then once you got to race weekend, you would usually practice Thursday, qualify Friday, practice again, race Saturday. So three day weekends. And that's how it used to be with COVID. Now you don't get to get in that car at all you go to a race weekend and you take the green flag you get the checkered flag and you go home really yeah but you can qualify though right nope so how do you how do they know where to where you Um, start so last year they started working a deal out that was based on your owner's points i believe that that was how you lined up where you had a bracket like top 10 or top five five through ten so on back and it, the guys in those positions would scramble up a little bit. And then they start doing it based off your last race position finish, your best lap average, and all kinds of just different things. This year, we actually get six races with practice and qualifying, which is just basically 
all the new tracks tracks we're going to coda uh nashville the first daytona we're actually getting practice there's like a couple more and those we will get qualifying but um i'm not sure how it's going to be this year they haven't announced that yet on the non-qualifying races so interested to see what they're going to do with that wow that's got to be terrifying yeah it's i think it's terrifying that um i have to qualify now i actually got used so used to not being able to qualify or not having to qualify um it became normal to me with those cars just get in and go yeah these cars are so much different to be able to qualify them, you really have to you know be used to that so I, I actually feel like I'm going to struggle with qualifying this year, whereas qualifying used to be um, my thing. Like back at Greenville, I'd sit on the pole in every race. So uh, qualifying was like my strong suit. You know, I'd always go out there and be able to perform on it. Um, and now I'm worried that that's not the thing anymore. Yeah, that's it. It adds a whole new element to it. I can imagine, though, if you're not a road racer, if you don't have a lot of time in the car on a road track, that it would be very difficult, especially Daytona, because Daytona, the road course, you actually, uh, part of it is almost like race in the oval, mm-hmm. right? And then you go down into the infield and half of it is a road course. And then the other part is right. actually on the, uh, the embankments, right? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a bigger road course, but it's also a really simple road course. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, half of it's on the oval and then you go in and turn one and you have one horseshoe and you go to another horseshoe and then you're back on the other oval yeah so it's not too much technicality to it um so i feel like it's gonna be a pretty good first road course for me just because it's not that technical you know there's no elevation changes you're not having to worry about anything like that to you just go out there turn left turn right kind of thing yeah mid ohio is it mid ohio that you race on raise that yeah mid ohio has got some elevation yeah. right you're going up hills and yeah. down hills mid ohio and road atlanta are going to be the hardest ones in sonoma right sonoma is uh, that a road Xfinity course actually isn't going to sonoma oh okay cup goes there but yeah mid ohio and atlanta they are they are really technical they have a lot of elevation change a lot of um harder left or right i guess you could say mm-hmm. not like a daytona left and right so that's definitely going to be the two hardest races so when a driver wins a race does the money go to the driver or to the team um i can't tell you i don't know <laughs> uh with the late model stuff it it really wasn't much of a payout i think like three thousand to win those races uh, i'd get like a little bit when we were running for our own but when i ran for anthony campy i didn't get anything yeah um, just because it wasn't you know worth it really with xfinity i don't know how much i know some drivers get a percentage of the purse mm-hmm. so say they get like 10 percent of mm, a hundred thousand okay. dollar purse you know, right it's, it's pretty good paid hey yeah and the all-star race they don't call it the all-star race anymore do they yeah it's still all-star. Oh, they do yeah. and that's a million dollars right yeah um i don't know how that works actually i'm i've actually been interested to see how the million dollars goes so you win it and then you'll figure it out i know uh, yeah i know uh in xfinity we have something called the dash for cash it's a four race deal and if you win you get a hundred thousand dollars i know a driver that has won it and took at least half of it and just gave the rest of the team wow so, things like that but i don't i don't know fully but hopefully one day i'll know yeah that'll be a good thing to figure out yeah yeah so what scares you um 
I don't know, failing, uh, letting people down, I guess. You know, I like to go out there and do the best I can, the most I can, and tearing up race cars and letting the team down. You know, I don't like that. I'm out there representing them, and I have to be the best I can for them. But does anything scare you? Wrecking, fire? No. 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 It's, that's something you can't worry about. Dale Jr. had a real issue with fire, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. He was, He's obviously what happened. Um, he has paved the way for a lot of safety. Mm-hmm. But you strap into these cars, you can't be scared about that. You can't, you can't do that. The only thing I've actually ever, ever been worried about in a car is wrecking and going driver's side door into a wall and not being able to get out, like the wall being higher. Mm-hmm. and on the track because we run side windows so this window right here to my left is the only way i'm getting out of that thing mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that i've ever thought about i wouldn't say it scared me about it but um it's definitely something i've thought about and worried about a couple times um i've took a lot of hits a lot of really hard hits mm-hmm. so it's kind of just brushing it off now second at this point. nature yeah i noticed that when you wreck into the wall not you specifically, but when a driver wrecks into the wall, you take your hands off the wheel, right? Otherwise, that wheel, I, I've just seen it on TV. The wheel's just spinning violently to the right and to the left. I see them take their yeah. hands off. It looks like it would like break your forearm. That's something that's just now kind of came up a little bit. It's really big in open-wheel cars because it will break your hand off if you try to hold on to it like an mm-hmm. Indy car. Right. It will snap it. With stock cars, they've started doing that. Um, me, I'm so stubborn. I'm not going to stop driving the car. If I hit the wall, I'm still trying to save it. Right. I've never had anything really bad come from it. Doesn't feel the best whenever you're holding it and hit the yeah. impact going into your palms. It hurts, but you know, I'm going to stay in it. Have you ever had an opportunity to, to drive an open wheel like IndyCar? No, the most open wheel I've gotten to is the go-karts at Frankie's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I've never, I've, I'd love to, I don't know if I'd really want to race like an F1 car or an Indy car, but I'd love to test one. I'm not a big fan of formula one racing, but I love Indy car. Yeah. I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of F1. It, it seems, um, it seems like it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just don't like it. I'm, I get into Indy cars. I watch the Indy 500 a lot or every year. So, sure. uh, but other than that, you're going to race the Brickyard too, right? Yeah. I wish it was the Oval, but it, it's going to end up being the road course. They moved Xfinity to the road course. Ah, okay. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can hear from one of our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Winding Down on Woodruff Road in Five Forks. This neighborhood wine bar has a cozy yet comfortable lounge atmosphere. From its sleek decor to the warm glow of the soft lighting, it gives you the feel that they took downtown and brought it to your town. Winding Down offers hand-selected, thoughtfully produced wines that are low in residual sugars and low to zero in sulfites, bringing you amazingly clean wines. It's the perfect place to relax, unwind, or gather with friends. Follow Winding Down on Facebook and Instagram for upcoming events. So let's talk about the business end of racing. You know, this show is all about unusually successful business owners mm-hmm. and people that are unusually successful in life. And so, I mean, it's pretty, 
it's pretty cool that you're 19 years old mm-hmm. and you've got a full-time racing gig, right? You're on national television every single Saturday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The races are usually on Saturdays. Yes, sir. Yeah. Do you ever wake up and you're like, holy crap, I'm a, I'm a race car driver. Yeah. It, it gets away from you sometimes. You know, you have to kind of sit yourself down and just think to yourself where you are, what you're doing. No, no other really that I know of 19 year old or anybody younger is waking up every Saturday morning and going over a hundred mile an hour in a race car, yeah. in NASCAR. Not legally. Not legally. And then I sit here and talk to you about not, not liking that I'm not winning races out there, but then there's people who aren't even able to even race. It's definitely something you have to sit yourself down and, and think about and bring you back and be grateful for the opportunities you've had, even though it's not winning races every single weekend. I've got to ask this. Who's the better driver, you or your dad? Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've outran him. Oh, I'll say okay. that. <laughs> it was one time we went to Anderson Motor Speedway. We had two late models. This was when I first started driving late models. He went out there with me and we just like followed each other. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool that I was on track with my dad one time. Were you guys actually in a race or you just went out there and no, were messing it, around? We were just practicing, um, getting me used to being around other, other cars. So, uh, he, we just went out there. Uh, we did a start and then we just followed each other and I passed him. So did your dad ever race at the level that you're racing at Xfinity Bush series? Did you say that he was in the bush? He got up to Bush, which is now Xfinity. Right. So you've really kind of taken it to the next level. You're in uncharted territory. I mean, Mm -hmm. your dad raced in a couple of races, but he didn't race in 22. Yeah. Right. In one season and he didn't get a gig for racing 33. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different era too. You have to think about, but it's definitely. You know, I matched my grandpa, I matched my dad. Now I'm further than my dad. Mm-hmm. I hope I can keep going so my son doesn't go further than me. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I've gone a little bit further. I just hopefully I can keep going. Well, that's, uh, that's certainly exciting. I, I have a feeling that you will. So let's talk about the business end of racing. Obviously, you're a driver. Right. Your dad mm-hmm. owned, did your dad own the team that you'd raced for before? Before. You were self-funded? Before um, Anthony and Campy, we owned our own late models and did it ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a money-making venture. No, Mm-mm. not at all. So your dad's business kind of funded the... And we had a couple of good sponsors when we had the late models that were pretty loyal and come back. So that, that would help a lot. But after the late models, ever since then, I've been kind of with just different teams. So where do you see yourself going from here? Um, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, you know, it's a year by year thing. I don't know anything about next year. I'd like to stay in the Xfinity series, maybe one, maybe two more years running a, a lower back car like we're in now. We call them back markers just to just to get the feel for it, just to, you know, understand the racing, understand these tracks. And then hopefully maybe after a couple of years, get in a really good car and be able to, you know, already know these, these tracks, these drivers, these teams and go out there and perform and win. So that's hopefully what I'll be able to do. But like I said, I don't know anything about next year. Let's take it one, one mm-hmm. season at a time. Yep. 
Do you have any rivalries? Like, what driver are you just like, oh, man, I want to beat that guy? There's a couple out there that I I can't stand. And <laughs> it, it, just drivers who honestly just, in my opinion, shouldn't be out there. Like, mm. it's And it's not just me that hates them. It's, it's a thing that there's a bunch of drivers that don't like these certain drivers that are out there. They have no respect for you. They, they go out there and, and tear your car up, tear their car up when they're in the same position as you mm-hmm. in a lower, lower funded team. And they're hurting their team owner. They're hurting my team owner and they just shouldn't be out there. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to drop any names. No, no, no. <laughs> good. If it gets bad enough, I might call them out. Just, watch my Twitter. So how can we follow you? You know, some of our listeners maybe don't watch NASCAR, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll hear this and they'll be like, Hey, um, so all my social media, uh, usernames are Colby Howard 16. I've been told I need to drop that to 15 because yeah, of the really? car number, my Facebook Colby Howard racing. And, and that's, that's pretty much how everybody can get in touch with me to watch the races. They're all live on either FS1 or NBCSN. The first half of the season is FS1, and the rest of it is NBCSN. Okay. And you can go to ColbyHowardRacing.com. Yeah, and that uh, all of my updates, pictures, and just things like that, new news is posted on there, too. Great. So, is it your dream to get into the Cup Series, or do you just want to maybe get with a better-funded team so that you can compete for the championship in um, the Xfinity? I'd love to run for Rick Hendrick in the Cup Series and win championships, but mm-hmm. you know if it's something that just won't happen, I'd love to be somewhere where I can win a race, whether it be Cup, Trucks, Xfinity. But the ultimate goal is is Cup in a winning capable car. Right, I should add. Right, <laughs> it seems like that's the next step for you is to be competitive every week, and then maybe get into a more competitive car. Mm-hmm. And then get into the Cup Series. And if it means running a Cup car in a lower-funded team rather than go to the Xfinity Series and be in a winning team, mm-hmm. I'd 100% take the Xfinity Series still. You know, there's a lot of guys that go out there in the Cup Series who just ride around for 500 miles just sitting there, just yeah. finishing the race. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be my life. I want to I be in something that you know, I can do something in, I'm in a lower funded Xfinity car right now, but I can still go out there and, and get a top 20 and top 15. It's a lot more difficult to do that in a cup car. So I definitely take the winning over going to cup. Well, that's good. That's exciting. So now maybe some of our listeners will, uh, tune in and, and check you out. Number 15. Yes, sir. All right. And your car is uh, sponsored by our main sponsor right now is project hope foundation. I have a couple different different people I work with, Southern Creek Apparel or Clothing, one of them. They've done a lot for me. Talk to us about what goes into the sponsors and what is your role in working with the sponsors? Sponsors are are why we get to go to the track. Um that's what that's what allows us to go. They they fuel our team, they fuel everything we do to to perform where we do. Like I said, we're a lower lower funded team so every dollar that we get goes straight to the car Mm -hmm. my job when it comes to sponsors is to represent them represent their name their brand and get them aware to the people who don't know about that that brand Mm -hmm. Um, on the track we're 
we're billboards. That's all we are. If you look at right. the cars, you know, it's most 99% of them are covered in sponsors. And your driver's suit, right? Yeah, your driver's suit, even helmets, gloves, everything. You know, we're billboards out there. Right. That's all we are. Even off the track, um, drivers have PSA deals where they have like a brand that represent or they represent and they're still decked out in some sort of brand sure on their on their shirt their hat their shoes their pants whatever it may be so um sponsors are a huge thing in nascar so when you get an opportunity to get in front of the media they want to interview you you just wreck somebody or you wreck (laughs) yourself or whatever is there a certain protocol that you're like all right if you know I'm going to get in front of the media here. I need to make sure that I mention our sponsors. Like I said, they fuel our team. So to not mention them is basically just slapping them across the face. Yeah. Um, That's part of our job out there is to make sure they get every single bit of exposure possible for them. Right. So definitely anytime you're behind a mic, you mention their name. Right. Right. So it's interesting to also know that sponsors aren't necessarily sponsors for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So they can they can drop off or jump on board uh, by the race. Yeah, there's there's all kind of different packages you can do with with the sponsor. You can sell them for a whole year. You can sell them for thirty two races, thirty three races, so on back. A lot of times, there's one off deals where somebody just they they only have the enough enough money to do just one race, or maybe they don't have enough money to do one race to be on the car you would do something with like a psa deal which is a personal services agreement and where they're physically paying colby howard just to wear their shirt wear their hat make a social media post um so there's there's so many different different ways you can go about with teams i mean with sponsors and then sometimes you go to race you i mean you're not guaranteed to have a sponsor that race so and it affects the funding. You know, you right. get a sponsor, you get more tires. You get a sponsor, you run better, that kind of thing. So so there's so many different things with sponsors that they can do. And there's there's deals that you can have with sponsors outside of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wear their shirt, wear their sunglasses. Yeah. yeah, and that's like the kind of the PSA thing I was telling you about. They aren't going to be on the car. They aren't going to be on my suit. They aren't going to be anywhere at the track except on my head hat or shirt or, or something like that. That's why when you're getting interviewed, everybody's handing you hats, right? You <laughs> wear the hat a little bit and then they hand you a different hat yeah. and you put it on. So we call that the hat dance, the hat dance. <laughs> yeah. There's somebody just in charge of mm-hmm. uh, making sure you wear the right hat for the right amount yeah. of time. If you go behind the victory lane things, when they're doing that, there's just tubs and tubs of just hats really? back there that they yeah. always put on. So it's pretty crazy. So what kind of sponsors do you have a deal with just as Colby Howard? Um, so my Southern Creek, uh, clothing, which is, I think I'm wearing their hat right now. They're, they're sort of a personal deal. Um, I'm going to try and get them on the car this year. Uh, Landon, the guy that owns it, he started this by himself and, and he's just been a great guy to me. He sends me a lot of stuff out. Um, so I'm going to try and get them on the car and it, he's just become more of a, a good friend to me. Yeah. So you have a deal with them to wear their clothing. Mm-hmm. Any others? Um, not right now. I'm working on, on a couple right now. Uh, some pretty cool things working on the money deal with, with them about mm-hmm. it is, is the hardest part. But yeah, right now it's just them. Well, Colby Howard, appreciate your time. It was really exciting to learn about uh, the racing world and the unusual success that you've had in your short stint of 19 years. 
So we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me out and talking to me and, and letting people know what it's really like. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you want to hear more conversations like this one, follow us on social media and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Unusually Successful is hosted by Sean Dipple and produced by Dan Johnson. Our show is sponsored by Sharp Business Systems of South Carolina. Voice acting by Becca Kaser and music by Finding Freedom.